coming up on NRL Teams. Will David Fafita find his groove against his former club, who faded fast against the Eels? So will Kevy ring the changes? Quality versus quantity. It's the great Cowboys debate as Jason Tuamalolo looks to respond to Todd Payton's tough talk. And will the Bulldogs bite back in a juicy battle between Trent Barrett and his old club? Welcome to NRL Teams. Great to have you with us after what was a cracking start to the season. My name's Nevo Owens. We're going to have all 16 team lists dropping for you in under five minutes' time. We're going to give you a full preview of round two with two of the greats of the game. Brett Kamali and Robbie Farrah, great to see you both back. Good round one. How good was yeah. round one? We, we, we were sitting here last week going, we can't wait for the footy to start. You know, I know it's been a short off-season and all the excitement and hype, and it, all, all the games were high-quality games. It's actually great to have it back. Yeah, they absolutely were. And I'm going to ask you in a moment's time whether or not you want to make any changes to your top eight that you gave us last week. But while you contemplate mm. that, <laughs> we did hear yesterday Joseph Suwali given special dispensation from the NRL yep. to make his debut for the Roosters before his 18th birthday, which rocks around in August, not too long to wait. What do you make of the decision to begin with, Noddy? Yeah, obviously the kid's under a fair bit of pressure. Well, Robbie and I were sitting out there before looking at the names of people who have played in the last 20 or 30 years under the age of 18. Stack of names, a lot of high-quality players that were 17 years of age. I just think the pressure currently on the game of rugby league and the media scrutiny, um, he's a great athlete. He, he can certainly catch a ball in the air. He makes some good tackles. He's, he's been the standout kid coming through all his schooling system, so he's always played with the older kids. But my only concern is all the media hype and the pressure once he gets the NRL. I've never seen a reserve grade game of football on TV. And it was purely yeah. because this kid was going to make his debut for North. I think obviously physically he's a, he's a very big boy, mm. but the physical demands of playing NRL, training full-time, playing week in, week out, a lot of the guys we looked at on that list, said their careers were ended by you know, early to mid-20s yeah. through a lot of injuries. So that's always a concern. And uh, But look, you know, there's a lot of hype around him and they've obviously made uh, the exemption for him to play. I just, I just hope that... I don't know how the NRL is going to rule this moving forward. Is it going to is it a one you know one size fits all sort of thing for the in terms of the rule, or is it going to be case by case? So they've said they'll certainly look at it on a case by case basis moving forwards, and they took a huge amount of things into account when they made this decision. Mm. Do you mm. think it helps Noddy that he will make his debut for the Roosters, surrounded by some serious talent? Yeah, it makes it a bit easier, doesn't it? You know, it's always easier technically when you're playing in a rep side because you've got a lot of good players around it. All you've got to do is your own job. So uh, it, the, the the scrutiny of when he does make his debut, I don't know when it will happen. You know, obviously, they're, they're pretty going pretty good yeah. at the moment without any injuries in the back line, but he'll make his debut, we think, at some stage. So all that hype and expectation is going to be... The Sydney Roosters is one of the big clubs in Sydney as well, so there's going to be a lot of media on him. But, um, mm. you know, I, I, as you said, they've, they've made the decision. Um, you know, this is a bit of... We spoke last week about technically a bit of an ageing roster for the Roosters, so this is a bit of the, let's bring the youth in now, let them train with our full-timers, let them hang around it, and at some stage he will become that superstar that we expect him to become. Looking forward to seeing how it transpires. All right, before these teams drop, let's have a look at your headline moments that you predicted for round one. Zach Bailey's worded me up on this. He says you guys nail it every week. What was it again, Robbie, that, that you said for round one? Like Bulldogs let me down. I think I, think I went uh, dogs to, to upset the Knights. Yeah, I think you did. Didn't even get close. Um, Zach lied to you, so don't expect yeah, us yeah, to get yeah. it right too often. But yeah. if you want to, you know, get bagging us like you're used to, that's okay. I had that a front row will be we leading the leading try scorer after round one, and I was correct for 
four, four matches. <laughs> yeah. So 50% correct. We try and, we try and yeah, run. Yeah. If we get it half right, we just take it. As, yeah. yeah, basically a gimme. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. No, the it's dogs not. scored the first try of the game. <laughs> yeah, dogs, yeah, that was lead. Front, <laughs> I was in front for five minutes yeah. too. <laughs> Blow the whistle now. All right, what about your three two ones from round one? Yeah, I, I thought the best three players of the round. Uh, one point went to Nathan Cleary. Obviously, Penrith were great in attack. Uh, Isaiah Yo certainly helps me out. Uh, two points went to Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, and three points went to James Tedesco. I thought he stole the, the round on Saturday afternoon with a wonderful performance. And uh, hearing stories about the new style of football, he will be more dangerous. And they were the signs of, of promise from him. Sure. Mine were quite uh, similar. I um, I gave my one point to Aiden Fanula Blake. Yeah. I thought he was outstanding up front for the Warriors. My two points were to Teddy, and my three points to Pappenhausen, who just, was just electrifying yeah. on on Thursday night to open the season. It was an incredible performance. And from those three two ones, I reckon we can make a guess at who impressed you in round one, teams wise. Who who was outstanding, and do you want to make any changes to your eight? You go, Rob. Well, it's a good handball there, Noddy. Yeah, Melbourne. I thought, uh, yeah, considering the the changes in key personnel, obviously with with Cam Smith not being there as well, uh, I, I thought they just it was just like clockwork for them. You know, their system works so good down there. It doesn't matter who comes in or or, or who goes out. They they just seem to just keep going about their business. I thought that was a, a great performance. The Warriors, I thought, you know, were outstanding as well um, against you know a, a, a Gold Coast side going into the the season with a lot of expectation this year and. Um, yeah, I thought that were probably you know, my two impressive performances. I thought Melbourne, Penrith and the Roosters were a standout. It's a mile way out in front of everyone else. And I still think my top five, then I add South and Canberra to my top five. And I think they're, that, I feel comfortable yeah. enough that's probably what the top five might look like. And then it goes from team six to 16. Is Mr. Moshton yeah. do your best? can hear the countdown right there and that means it is time to have a look at the teams for round two and we're going to start on Thursday night with one of the sides both Robbie and Noddy mentioned there the Melbourne Storm they're traveling to Parramatta to Bankwest Stadium on Thursday evening the defending premiers have shown exactly why they're the team to beat this year and it was the home side skipper the fullback Clint Gutherson who single-handedly dragged his side back into that game against the Broncos last week Parramatta have made just one change to that side Murata Niakora comes back after a two-game suspension for a crusher tackle. Keegan Hipgrave drops back to jersey number 18. The Storm, 1-17 after a strong start to the season against the Rabbitohs. There's been some talk of Brenko Lee making his comeback from a hamstring injury, but that's not to be this weekend. Remus Smith maintains his place in the centres. Tui Kamakamitha passed his HIA on game day. He'll start again on the bench. Harry Grant, Dale Finucane still a few weeks away. All right, Noddy, you've both mentioned how impressive the Storm were in week one. What about the Eels and that first half performance? They completed at 50%. Yeah. If they did that in round two, this game would be over at halftime. Yeah, that's right. Well, that, And that's the important thing for, for Brad Arthur to make sure that the Parramatta don't come out and start really poor. As you said, if the Brisbane Broncos maybe don't get the three or four key injuries, they don't even yeah. get back into the, into the competition. So if we go back to the last time Melbourne played Parramatta, it was in a semi-final match end of last year, and they got absolutely blown off the park in the first 40 minutes. So uh, they terrorised their edge, especially uh, down the Wonga Blake's edge. So they exposed that a little bit through Pappenhausen. So yeah. the traits of what Melbourne showed at the end of last year won't want to come back and haunt Parramatta because they won't want to get behind it like they did at halftime against the Melbourne Storm because it'll be a, they won't come back and win. No Cam Smith, no Harry Grant, no worries for the Storm. What yeah. was it in that round one performance, Robbie, that really showed you that they're the team to beat this season? Again, just the way they started the game. The game was over, you know, almost over you know, before half time, And, uh, you know, there were a couple of, I guess... Signs there for me where 
Yeah, in the past, the Melbourne side probably would have closed out that game a lot better with the Cam Smith there and his game management. Uh, South came back into the game and had a bit of a sniff late on, but uh, Melbourne were, were fortunate enough to hold on for the win. But uh, that game management, I think during those situations, you need your Cam Munsters to step up, your Jerome Hughes as well. If there's one area I think Parramatta can try and exploit this week, it's probably Melbourne's right-hand side defence. I think they were sort of exposed a little bit on the weekend with uh, Remus Smith and, and George Jennings there on the right edge. So... Uh, you know, the left edge still looks quite solid there with Olam and, and Addo Carr, but look, I think if Parra's looking at the video from last week and they think they can find a weakness, it's probably down that right edge of the storm. That's how round two is going to get underway. Eels up against Storm on Thursday night. Let's head to Friday night now where the NRL has its very own M1 derby for the moment at least. Just a short trip down the M1 for the Knights to take on the Warriors on Saturday afternoon. The Warriors are backing Wade Egan and Bailey Sirinan to be right come Friday night despite both failing HIAs against the Titans last weekend. So just the one change for Nathan Brown's side. Ewan Aiken out with an ankle injury which gives Adam Pompey his chance to start in the centres. you got the Knights side right there. Bit of a surprise perhaps to see Kurtman named to start, but scans have shown that that knee injury he picked up in round one is a lot less serious than first feared. Bradman Best also looks set to back up. Connor Watson will start at lock, pushing Sasauso Sue to the bench. All right, I love the conversation around the big fellas heading into this one. Adam Fanua Blake was absolutely immense in round one, and it was hot on the central coast for the Warriors as well. What does that performance tell you about the Warriors pack, Noddy? Yeah, well, we knew in the off-season, Peter O'Sullivan and Nathan Brown had come out and said, we're going, we're, we're defying the odds of the new 36-to-go rule, and we're just going to get big, because that's what seemed to work for them in the old days. So, they, they were an enormous forward pack on the weekend. Um, 40 completed sets out of 44 will certainly help in that heat. They were, they just had a big man after a big man after a big man after a big man coming at you. And then when you kick the ball, you get the two giant wingers yeah. that, who start the set and come at you. So, <laughs> Uh, it was pretty good coaching by Nathan Brown, and then obviously it opened up a bit of space for the two halves to run. 202 metres he ran for his Warriors debut, so they went out and recruited him late. It's a good purchase, and uh, he was great enough. No, I was going to say, I think completions and ball control is, is yeah. key for the Warriors this year, because if you're not holding the ball and you've got a side that that's big, <laughs> yeah, the extra amount of work they're going to have to do in defence is, is really going to chew up their gas. But on the, other, on the flip side of it, if you're holding the ball and you've got those big guys running at you all day long, they can do what they showed on the weekend. And uh, that was a pretty impressive performance when you're completing at 90%. Which the Knights showed against the Doggies as well, right? They made serious metres up the middle, offloads galore. When you look at this Knights pack and some of their numbers from round one, if they can keep that consistency, Clemmer, Saifiti, Frizzell, Mitch Barnett, if we can see numbers like that week in, week out, are, are we looking there at one of the best engine rooms in the comp? Well, it's going to be a good a good clash this yeah. match because you get, I reckon you're going to see a lot of yardage sets because they're going to get over the halfway, bomb the try line, over the halfway, bomb the try line, and you're going to get a similar competition because of the size of the forwards. Uh, obviously, Saifidi was a great milestone match for him last week. Uh, the chance to be co-captain of the club, and obviously he scored two tries. Clemmer does it every week. We expect that from David Clemmer every week. But as you said, the forward battle uh, this weekend, as you said, a little F1 battle, a little derby down there on the Central <laughs> Coast. It should be pretty good. And that's what sometimes, that's technically old school football. The forwards have got to lay a platform for the little men or the halves to, to play some football. So it's, it's, a, it's a battle of the big giants this weekend. What's the saying? Forwards determine who wins the game and yeah, the forwards backs determine yeah. by how much. Yes, so yes. I think that'll be the case this yeah. week. I think you know, the four pack that gets on top this week will determine the outcome of the game. Have you got a tip for me in this one? 
Save it for the bowl prediction. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Wait, no. on tens no. of books. <laughs> All right, well, in that case, why don't we head to Seabus Super Stadium where Friday night's Titans will host the Brisbane Broncos, the local derby. Little brother looking to show they really have come of age this year. Let's look at the home side first because they'll be without Brian Kelly, who could miss up to a month with a fractured hand. Philip Sammy comes into the centres. David Fafita will line up despite, as we heard after round one, suffering an ankle infection in the league up to what was a pretty quiet debut for the Titans Broncos. Kevin Walters has already been forced to make a change following his first match as head coach. He's lucky it wasn't more than one though. Matt Lodge will miss two to three weeks with a hamstring injury. Xavier Coates and John Asiata are named to play in round two. Thomas Flegler replaces Lodge up front and Reese Kennedy comes on to the bench. All right, Justin Holbrook, the coach of the Titans, did join Zach Bailey and the team on Inside the NRL yesterday. Let's have a listen to what he had to say about how they can best use David Fafita this season. We all know what a what a strike player he is and how good a player he's going to be for us. But for, for me, it's just, you know, especially being an edge back row, he's just got to do his job and, and know his role for the 80 minutes. And he, he's a good enough player that, you know, he'll create things. He just, you know, we've just got to make sure we, we give it to him in the right opportunity. Justin Holbrook joining inside the NRL. Talk to me about what that looks like, Noddy, because up against his old team, the Brisbane Broncos, is there a bit of a danger that he goes hard and burns himself out early? Uh, I think for Justin Holbrook, if he goes hard and goes early, having to pull him back would be a really good thing rather than saying, hey, mate, can you get yourself into the game? Uh, it's a, As you said, it's a great problem to have. Um, we'll let last week's quietness of the game sort of go through. As you said, there was a virus about him. He was unsuspect. Uh, really didn't get himself into the game. They've got to find a way to get the, the, the back rower into the game. They didn't really take yeah. the ball to him too much either. But, um, you know, I thought Big Tino was good for him. I, I thought that was a, the good sign of, of the two major recruits they've made in the offseason. I thought Tino was very, very good as that middle forward. But uh, I think David Fafita had something like 12 or 13 runs for just about 100 metres. So not good enough. But as you said, it's a good, good clash against yeah. his former club. But He'll want to play well. I, I think the players around him need to help him. They need to help create. They, they can't. You can't just give him the ball like in under twelves and say, "What? Oh, here it's you go. Score, <laughs> score, a try." Like it's not. It's not going to work. The NRL's you know too good. Yeah. The defences you're coming up against are, are too good as well. So the players around him need to help create opportunities yeah. for him and get him into the game. I, I know that we we mucked around last week about Cameron Smith. I sat there after they played on the weekend. I said, "Imagine if Cameron Smith had played in that side." The, the, the improvement that that side would have got from Cameron Smith controlling the dummy half and, telling, and steering him around and helping David Fafita get the ball in better position. Well, Justin Holbrook did say yesterday that they've got a bit of money to play with. What, you're going to start a little bit of a rumour here, are you? No, I think that's the one thing. <laughs> the, the Titans have bought really, really well and developing. And, and it meant, again, Jamal Fogarty, you know, second-year syndrome. You know, he's under a lot of pressure now because last year there was no expectations. They're bought good. They, they're expected to go great. If they don't go great, then mm. pressure has to fall on someone. Plenty of pressure on Anthony Milford as well and his responsibility in really sparking this Broncos side. What did you make of that halves combination last week, Robbie, across the course of the 80? Because Anthony Milford in particular, I mean, he started well. Yeah, first half was great. You know, they, they really took the line on. They were playing at speed. Uh, you know, they looked dangerous on both sides of the park. And then obviously the second half fell away. Errors started to come into the game. The injuries really hurt them. Uh, you know, they lost uh, Coates. Um, Asiata and, and Lodge went off as well and the way the game is now with the speed of the game and the new rules if, if you're down to one or two players on your bench it's really going to hurt you at the back end of the game and that's what happened uh, with the Broncos on the weekend but in terms of Anthony Milford's individual game I thought there were some really good signs there you know for the rest of the season.
Is it enough for Kevy and indeed the fans there at home last weekend to have seen that in that second half, when injuries went against them, they really were playing for each other? Yeah, definitely. And that was probably a, a, a better sign to what they would have been watching last year. You know, they were pretty mm. poor last year. There was sometimes you could say that they didn't actually turn up and know each other or try hard enough. So um, Kevy's trying to change all that. Obviously, um, it'll be a big test this week. A lot of people will be expecting the Broncos will beat the Titans. So uh, they would be expecting the team up, play well. And again, when you get injuries, it's bad luck. It's unlucky, you know. But let's hope that the Broncos keep 17 players on the park. They put a good performance. And this is a, this is a, you know, a cracking game of football. Big game on Friday night. Let's head to Saturday Arvo, shall we? And back to Bankwest Stadium where the Bulldogs will host the Panthers. Three o'clock kickoff there. Trent Barrett's new side up against his former team who certainly still look like a side that has a great attacking coach. Let's check out that home side first. Two changes for the Dogs. Raymond Faitala Mariner will start in place of Corey Waddell. And Jeremy Marshall King is back from a foot fracture. He comes in on the bench for Brad Deitz. Panthers unchanged heading into round two. Both Kurt Capel and Dylan Edwards will be okay to back up despite both being on the receiving end of a couple of knocks in round one. Former Sharks Scott Sorensen made his return from a hamstring injury in New South Wales Cup last weekend. He's been named in jersey number 18. All right, Trent Barrett, as we know, intricately involved in the makeup and the attacking structures of this Panthers side last season. Now in charge of the Bulldogs, heading into this one, Noddy, does that knowledge of what worked, but also perhaps of what didn't work so well, does that give, give his Bulldogs a little bit of a leg up? It does in some regards, because obviously uh, Trent Barrett will know where they're going, what the points of view are going to... Again, defensively, you've still got to get in front of him and make the tackles, and mm. if you win or lose, play the balls, it makes it easier. Trent Barrett can probably reflect back to the games last year when Penrith struggled to score points or struggled to... You know, they won a lot of games, but why did they have to fight really hard for the eighth minute to win the match? So there, there might be different styles or different trends of what the oppos opposition did really well last year that suffocated a little bit of Penrith's attack that, that other teams didn't pick up upon. So that's where I think being the past coach of the club can certainly help his team um, be competitive and, and try and nullify how great Penrith are in attack. Speaking of the Panthers' attack, we're seeing a bit of a new-look right edge for the Panthers this season, and we know how dangerous their left edge was last year. When you look at this team, are you thinking that they're an even better balanced attacking side heading into 2021? Yeah, they started great last week. Obviously, a new-look right edge, a lot of speed on that right edge now. Momorowski, Charlie Staines comes in on the wing as well. Um, so, so, yeah, like last, last year, you, you almost knew... You, you could almost put an extra defender on your right-hand side defence because you knew Penrith were going to go left to kick out and, and Crichton nine times out of ten, whereas this year across the, across the field they look a bit more balanced. And for me, defensively, again, last year we spoke about how they'd get to leads early in the game off the back of their defence and they were really hard to run down. And to start the season off with a, you know, a nil score against you defensively is, is really strong. And again, that's going to be the challenge for Trent Barrett this week is you know, how do I get a Bulldog side that has always lacked points in the last few years to score points against this you know, pretty strong de uh, defensive outfit of the, of the Panthers too. So uh, it, it's a tough ask for the Bulldogs this week. And that's how we're going to kick off Saturday Arvo footy. Let's head to 5.30 now, shall we, on Saturday afternoon and to Lotto Land where the Seagulls will host the Rabbitohs. Manly love playing at home. Their fans will be hoping that gives them a real boost after a tough round one loss. Des Hasler has made changes to the side that went down to the Roosters. Tavita Funa has made way with Cade Cust forcing his way onto the bench after a three-try performance for Blacktown last weekend. Andrew Davey comes in for Jack Gojewski who drops to the bench. And good news, Kieran Foran is been named despite a bit of a cork last week.
plenty of changes for Wayne Bennett's Rabbitohs side. Jackson Paulo will start on the wing with Josh Mansour dropping out. Tom Burgess has recovered to maintain his starting spot after scans on his shoulder and neck cleared him of injuries. And Kian Koloa Matangi will start in the second row in place of Jacob Host. Patrick Mago has been named on the bench. Liam Knight is in Jersey 18 as he makes his return from concussion. The Seagulls missed 38 tackles last weekend, round one. Noddy, talk me through how much can change in seven days because I know that'll be a focus for Desi this week. Well, they're not playing the Roosters, which is a good start. They're not playing James Tedesco coming at you with that late footwork and, and exceptional pace. But um, you're right, it was a pretty poor start for, for Manly. You know, five of the seven tries that they did concede were down their left edge, um, quite vulnerable there. Uh, and, and, you know, as you said, a man that they probably got some hope and excitement for was Kieran Foran. Well, Kieran Foran probably was the man that got found out the most in that defence stature as well. So, you know, it was a tough assignment. We mentioned last year yeah. about how um, the Roosters really struggled... Uh, sorry, the, the Manly side really struggled to to defend last year as well. So there hasn't seemed to be much involvement or improvement yeah. from what they did last year when they leaked 20 or 30 points continuously to this match. I know they played a red-hot Roosters, but it still looked like there's some... Big, op, big yeah. vulnerability there. Well, that, that's a concern, as you can see on, on the screen there, with the last 10 uh, games. Oh, they've conceded over 30 points a game for the last 10 games. Yeah. You know, there's obviously a trend there. There's obviously a concern. It's, it's, it's something that's been a part of you know, their team now for the last 12 months. It's not going to be something they can change over you know, the next seven days. And they're coming up, up against a, a south side that's got a lot of points in them as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if they don't get you know, their game on defensively this week, that... They could get embarrassed again against this South Sydney team. The good news is that South's passed the ball to the left, not to the right. So the other edge is going to be exposed this week. So they might, they might not make as many. Because South, South are a team that South literally score most all their points down that left edge. Their right edge yeah. attack really for South Sydney doesn't really offer anything. It's always the ball goes to, to Walker, to Latrell, down that left edge to Alex Johnson. So, you know, it'd be interesting if South actually can get a bit of balance on their right attack, which is mm. what worked for the Roosters last week. But it's certainly not a trend that South Sydney play with one change for the Rabbitohs and that's Josh Mansour who came yeah. across from Penrith in the off-season being pushed out of the team. Jackson Paulo starting on the wing. Are you surprised that Josh Mansour was only given one week to show what he can do? Yeah, I'm surprised You know, only after one week. It's, it's such a big change and uh, it's such an experienced player and uh, someone that's played you know, finals football, he's played representative football. Uh, I'm not too sure why that hasn't <coughs> been made, but you know, obviously Wayne Bennett's seen something you know, there in Josh's game last week. And uh, but but I, I know Josh well, and I know that uh, yeah he'll keep his head up and he'll go back and keep working hard and and uh, force his way back into the NRL side in the near future. It's a big name scout to drop after round one. Wayne was really Wayne was pretty you know vocal about his senior players that him down last week in Melbourne. But you drop a winger. I was running you through three. Of the, they they conceded four tries. Three of those tries were through the middle last week, and the fourth try was on the right edge which is left defensively. So I don't know what Josh Mansour did wrong that he's been dropped. So it's a big name to drop, but I'd, I'm curious that they dropped a winger when they got blown off the park in the middle. If Jackson Paulo is the future and he is 21, does that make it hard for Josh to work his way back into this side? Yeah, definitely. I, I thought when they bought Josh Mansour, it was a pretty, pretty crazy decision as well because, as you said, they've got so many great outside backs, so many young outside backs. I thought if there's... They could, they could certainly make other areas stronger um, for South Sydney. They don't have a backup dummy half. If Damien Cook gets hurt, I would thought that would be a suitable replacement actually rather than going and buying a Josh Mantle to play outside back. So it, he's got a two-year deal there where Penrith obviously had a one-year deal. So you're right. I, I don't know how much game time we'll get from Josh Mantle. If these guys all stay injury-free, we mightn't see him in first grade again this year.
Yeah, tough. We'll be keeping a very close eye on that, and I know you will as well, Robbie. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's head north, shall we, for Saturday night footy and to Queensland Country Bank Stadium, where the Cowboys will take on the Dragons. Two new coaches, both looking to open their accounts with their new clubs. Let me talk you through the Cowboys 21. Todd Payton has held his nerve, and ultimately he has signed, he has announced an unchanged 17 to face the Dragons. Carl Felt will play despite picking up a hand injury against the Panthers. Prop Francis Moller will line up against his future employers as it turns out. The news dropped today that he'll link with the Dragons on a three-year deal from next season after not missing a game for the Cowboys since 2018. Anthony Griffin's side will travel north and winger Cody Ramsey who limped off with an ankle injury. He's been cleared to play this week. Corey Norman is back from suspension. He'll take his place in the halves alongside Ben Hunt and Adam Clune has dropped out of the 17. Now Todd Payton has come across as a straight shooter so far far, you would have to say he really took it to a number of his players, but Jason Tuamalolo in particular. What are you expecting from that marquee man in response this weekend? Yeah, well, we, we, we've seen Jason Tuamalolo play for about 70 minutes for the last five seasons. It's, as we've seen it, it hasn't hurt him too much. I know what Todd Payton's doing. It's about the quality more than, than just having him out there and, and, and having him around. They were in this game, you know, I think it was only 8-0 at half time and bits and pieces and you would have thought he would have put him back on. He's obviously got a plan. Um, maybe it's a, obviously understanding that Jason Tamalo needs to, maybe whether he needs to train a bit harder, whether he needs to, to buy into doing some extras and be a, a bit of a senior player now. So it puts him a bit on notice, but, you know, good on Todd Payton. He's got the job for a reason because he was probably the best... Yeah person to get the job after the success of the Warriors. He, so. he spoke there uh, in the press conference after the game about some of uh, Tamalolo's efforts during the game and, and he thought they were a bit lazy at the time and I think what he's trying to do, Payton by going up there uh, and calling out one of his leaders is he's trying to set a standard because if if the other players see one of their, their leaders is a captain or one of the co-captains taking shortcuts in certain instances of a game, then they think it's okay for them to do it. So he's making an example mm. and saying, hey, these are the new standards we're setting. This is a new culture of this club. doesn't matter who you are. If you're not going to perform to the expectations of what we want, then, you know, you're going to cop a ribbing. So, look, I don't, I don't mind it. I think, uh, you know, as you said, he's a straight shooter. He's, he's told everyone where they, where they stand because he's gone at their, you know, their most marquee player. And um, if, if he's um, not immune to it, then no one is. Up against the Dragons, who missed more tackles in round one than any other team. Anthony Griffin coming under a little bit of pressure as a result, which surprises me a little bit, to be honest. It's round one. It takes time to make a mark on a team. Surely we've got to let things settle. Yeah, they were pretty bad in the charity shield, which probably puts them under a fair bit of pressure before round one. The conditions that they played the Sharks in on Sunday night was probably the worst conditions of the round as well. So you can understand why defence was pretty poor and footwork and, and making those collisions. So... Uh, you know, it, it, you're right. You've you got to allow the new coach a bit of time to buy into it, change the culture in some regards, get the players to play they want, get the defence. Because they've got all, they've got actually three new coaches this year, so both assistant coaches are new as well. So there have been new systems, new programs, new, new approach to how they play. Um, you know, yes, give him time because he's had some good success in the past. But um, I, I think Dragons fans, out of all fans in the competition, they're probably the nastiest um, group of fan base out there. They call for a sacking pretty quick. So it's taken a week and Griffin's under pressure. Have you got some positives for them, keeping uh, that in mind, Robbie? Well, look, the positive for me is at, at I think, 12, 12 or 14 nil down, they got themselves back yeah. in the game. And then they had a, a try that got overturned against them, which personally I thought was a yeah. try. Their reaction to that was quite poor because then Cronulla went down the other end of the field, 
scored a try. It was almost a 12-point turnaround. Game was out of their grasp. But, you know, they showed some character at 14-0 down to get themselves back in the game. It could have easily ended up, you know, 20-30-0 at that stage. Uh, but, look, there were some signs there with the character they showed. Um, you know, on the road this week, going up mm. to Townsville, um, you know, they, they, the fans are going to want to see a reaction from their side. Well, this is the best team they could probably put on the pay, on park, isn't it? Like Corey Norman's back, he was suspended week one. So technically, this is all the stars. Yeah. This is everyone they got available. Let's judge how they go for the next month if they all stay on the park. We'll do that next week, shall we? Yeah. All right, <laughs> let's head to Sunday Arvo footy, shall we, in Campbelltown Stadium where the West Tigers will take on the Roosters 4.05 kickoff. Let's check out the home side first. And Adam Dewey is back from suspension. So Michael Maguire has reshuffled his back line. Dewey will partner Luke Brooks in the halves. Moses Embai moves to the bench. Russell Packer has dropped out of the 17. The visitors, the Roosters, as expected. Jake Friend is missing after that head knock. Freddie Lussick starts at hooker. Drew Hutchison comes onto the bench as cover. Adam Kieran is sidelined with a fractured wrist and with Angus Crichton suspended Nat Butcher starts in the second row and Fletcher Baker comes onto the bench for his NRL debut. Robbie, Adam Dewey back from suspension. How much will he add to the Tigers attack? I think you add a lot uh, Adam. You know, I, uh, very close to him. I've uh, been working hard with him through the off-season as well and seen his game develop and into a real leader and I think they're Really compliments Luke Brooks as well. Uh, so I'm looking for a big performance from Adam, not just this week, but but this season. And um, you know, I think um, I think it really adds to the attack. It's probably something we lacked last week against the Raiders. I thought our resilience was really good in the first half. You know, we didn't have much ball. We're defending our line a lot. Help. You know. Stayed in the game, six all at half time, but then we shot ourselves in the foot in the second half. Came out with some errors um, before we knew what the game was over. But uh, to have Adam back this week is a massive bonus for the team. And takes a little bit of pressure off Luke Brooks yeah. to having to be the creator of all things. Well, yeah, definitely. And as Robbie said, like they've trained with Adam Dewey as 5'8 all off season. All of a sudden, just before the round one kicks off, you lose him and Moses comes in. So it's a quick reshuffle. I actually would have thought Luke Brooks would have took full ownership of the side last week because of... Um, Adam Dewey being out because Moses Embi is technically not really a 5'8 anymore. I would have thought he'd play both sides of the field, take control. So uh, I, I think Luke Brooks is under a little bit of pressure to prove to the West Tigers and the Michael Maguire that he he deserves the contract going forward. So I think at the moment, I said the rope, I would say his game management last year, uh, last week, was a no. So he's got to return this week against the Roosters, who you've got to control the ball and kick the ball and build pressure. This, this is a good opportunity to respond with his 5'8 back. Looking at that Roosters side, no Jake Friend, no Boyd Cordner for perhaps the foreseeable mm. future, certainly mm. for the next little while. Who are you looking to in this Roosters side, Robbie, to really stand up, stamp their authority and lead this side moving forward? Yeah, well, we spoke about that last week, about the Roosters you know, bordering on you know, that ageing squad where a lot of their guys are coming towards the back end of their career. And now, you know, with Cordner and you know, Friend possibly out for an extended period of time as well, both their co-captains are won't be on the field. So you're going to be looking at a James Tedesco, you know, Luke Keary, Taukiaho. Uh, you know, those guys need to step up. You know, the, the young brigade coming through that are going to take this club into the future. Uh, obviously, Crichton's not there you know, this week, but he's another leader of that squad as well. So you know, it's a big ask for those guys because you know, Cordner and Friend have been you know, they're, they're inspirational leaders for so long, and now they're going to find themselves without them for an extended period of time. 
Let's head to the last game of the round and to Coggera Stadium where we'll see the Sharks take on the Raiders at Netstrata Jubilee. Sunday, 6.15pm, kick-off the home side first. And Andrew Fafita's 23 hit-ups, his 208 metres, his 25 tackles for Newtown last weekend wasn't enough to earn him a recall to the NRL. John Morris has left the international prop on his reserves list again. Mawani Hiroshi gets his chance in the centres after Jesse Ramian accepted his three-match ban and the only change to Cronulla's 17. Sunday's match marks a really special occasion for Sharks skipper Wade Graham, his 250th in the NRL. You can see the Raiders' side there and Bailey Simonson caught that poke in the eye last weekend. He'll be good to go again on Sunday. Josh Hodson made his return last week, looked confident, didn't he? No co-captain Jared Croker yet for the Green Machine as he works to make his return from shoulder surgery. All right, Noddy, you're obviously in the know with the Sharkies. Talk to me about this halves combination, Matt Moylan and Chad Townsend, because they looked sharp enough early in the season. Yeah, they did. Well, again, because Matt Moylan's had a full off-season, we've heard so many good stories about Matt Moylan in the off-season, about he's done a full off-season, he's flying, he's running great. Uh, and then as, he, as they developed that combination, you know, so Chad, and Sean, uh, Chad and Matt have been together all off-season, so they've got a great, wonderful short kicking game. Um, as you said, it, it seemed like they were even playing in the dry because some of the skill they showed, as a very example there, is great execution, good football. So I think that's where Cronulla, and unfortunately for Matt Moylan, his inability to get a, a number of games out continuously has affected how much talent he's got. He's done a full off-season. We've seen the talent there. Uh, I think he was in an Australian squad a number of years yep. ago when he was you know, at his 100% fitness. So there's nothing wrong with the quality. It's just the fact he hasn't been able to play enough games. Speaking of quality, Andrew Fafita showed plenty of it for Newtown last weekend but misses out again. Are you surprised and how do you see that moving forward? Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, speaking of Noddy before as well, yeah, uh, no, I think yeah. John Morris was yeah. quite public about it as well, that, uh, that he wanted him to go back and work on his defence. Mm. And I think now with the way the game is as well, with your middle forwards, that mobility, you know, your sideways movement in defence is so key. So, uh, look, I... I don't think one week's enough to go back and prove that your defence is all of a sudden up to speed. So, look, I think if, if Andrew can go back to, to New South Wales Cup and perform at that level for three to four weeks, we'll, we'll probably see him back in the NRL side after that. What about Hudson Young? How impressive mm -hmm. was he last weekend? And I know you've spoken in the past about John Bateman being replaceable, that they've got these great yeah. players coming through. How much did Hudson Young show you that he could be the guy to do that? Yeah, well, he, he was obviously you know, their best player on the weekend, in my opinion. Uh, you know, really took the game to, to the Tigers. And, uh, yeah, his leg speed around the ruck, as you can see here, uh, you know, breaking tackles, uh, came up with a, with a try as well. And uh, I thought it was an outstanding performance. Uh, I think that the Raiders are, are so big and strong. They, they just rely on their power game. Mm. Uh, you know, you're watching them last week. You know, a lot of the stuff they do, they're, they're just playing off the back of that power game. And uh, you know, when you talk about impressive you know, packs, last year we spoke about it when they lost Hodgson yeah. and we thought they'd struggle. But those guys just played that real direct brand of footy. You know, Ricky Stewart has you know, built, a, built a tough culture down there and they've started this season um, you know, like they finished last year and Hudson Young was quite impressive. We'll see if they can continue that on Sunday night. That is your round two NRL action. And you can, of course, catch it all on Fox Sports, on KO, on Channel 9, on Sky Sports New Zealand, and indeed on Watch NRL for our international viewers as well. Round one was a cracker. You do not want to miss a moment of round two. Tell me. What's our headline prediction? What are we going to be talking about this time next Tuesday? I think there could be a chance of three Golden Point matches. <sighs> so I think, I think there's a chance of the Warriors, Knights, the Titan, the Broncos and the Cowboys and the Dragons all go on the Golden Point. So 
there'll be, there'll be definitely one of those will go to Golden Point. There'll be one. <laughs> oh, gonna, oh, oh, I'm oh, going to oh. say there's a, there'll just be gone three. From there'll three be, to one. There, there's a potential for three. <laughs> there could be two, on, maybe one. Hold <laughs> on. Well, I'm glad Mate. you're being clear. I'm glad you're yeah. being clear with oh, your prediction. Just throw it, throw it all out there anyway. <laughs> Mine will be a little bit clearer than that. Great. So I think Toddy Payton has poked the bear, and I think Talmalolo will run over 200 metres this weekend against the Dragons. Just 200 metres. That's an average game for him normally. Back to his best. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait for all of the action, gents. It's really great to see you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. See you next week. Look forward to seeing if that three, two, one yes, golden <laughs> point happens next weekend. Thank you for joining us as well. It's been absolutely awesome to have your company. Round two NRL action kicks off on Thursday night with the Eels hosting the Melbourne Storm. Enjoy the footy. See you soon.